Hello everyone and welcome to the Three Ball. I'm your host Samuel or Sam, and in today's podcast, I'm going to be doing the Toronto Raptors offseason guide. If you don't know how these offseason guides work, I basically give advice to NBA NBA teams on what I think they should try to do this offseason based on their player personnel as well as well as their logistical breakdown for the upcoming season as well as seasons beyond that. And the order in which we're doing teams is for the teams that did not make the playoffs, which we're almost done with. We're going from worst record to best record. We're almost at the best record part. It's just Toronto and New Orleans. And then for the teams that did make the playoffs, we're going from time the team got eliminated. So the Boston Celtics are going to be towards the end because they just recently got bounced from the playoffs. But I do want to very briefly touch on Heat Nuggets Game 1 very, very, very briefly. I was going to wake up at 3.30, but I had a basketball game yesterday, so I woke up at 5.30. For those, for those of you who don't know, I live in Ethiopia, so the games start at really weird times. So I woke up at 5.30, I caught the very end of it, but it was already over when I woke up. And this was just a great game by Jokic, by Jamal Murray, by Aaron Gordon. He deserves a lot of credit. Jimmy Butler was held to 13 points, which if, if, if Boston, can, or I said Boston, if Denver can do that, this series is over. I know Bam Adebayo had a great game, but you, you're willing to lose to Bam. That's what that's what I think you'll say. And then, obviously, not a great game for Caleb Martin or Max Struess, but if you're Miami, I think you expect that to change over the course of this series. So we'll see how Miami handles that. Maybe they bring Tyler Hero back for it. I don't know. Haywood Highsmith also had a great game. Shout out to him. I really, really like him. I'm glad that he was able to play well. But I think that's enough about Nuggets Heat Game 1. We're going to go ahead now and transition to the Raptors offseason guide. So, the first thing we're going to do is look at a logistical breakdown. So, for those of you watching on YouTube, there's going to be a screenshot popping up on your screen of a spreadsheet right now. And for those of you just listening, I will explain this spreadsheet. So, the first thing that is on here is a depth chart for the team with contract lengths and like team options, player options, stuff like that. So the point guard position, the Raptors have Fred Van Vliet. He has one year left, but he has a player option this offseason, so he could be a free agent if he decides to be. Behind Van Vliet is Malachi Flynn. He has one year left before he hits restricted free agency. Behind Flynn is Delano Banton. He's a free agent this offseason, but he's restricted. Starting at shooting guard is OG Ananobi. He has two years left, but he's a player option for that second year. Behind Ananobi is Gary Trent Jr. He has one year left, but he has a player option this offseason, so he could be a free agent. Behind Trent is Delano Banton. We already talked about him. Behind Banton is Will Barton. He is also a pending free agent this offseason, but he's unrestricted, so they don't have the, you know, they, they can't match other offers with him as they can with Banton. Starting at small forward is Scotty Barnes. He has two years left, including a team option before he is restricted free agency. Behind Barnes is Otto Porter Jr. He has one year left on his deal, and I'm pretty sure he accepted a player option, so he wants to be here, it looks like. Behind Porter is Ananobi and Barton. We talked about both of them. Behind Barton is Joe Wieskamp. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He has one year left before he becomes a restricted free agent. Starting at Power Forward is Pascal Siakam. He has one year left on his contract. Behind Siakam is Chris Boucher. He has two years left. Behind Boucher is Scotty Barnes. Behind Barnes is Thaddeus Young, who has one year left on his contract. Lastly, at the center position, starting is Jakob Pertl. He's a free agent this offseason. Behind Pirtle is Precious Achua. He has one year left before he hits restricted free agency. Behind Pirtle is Christian Coloco. He has two years left before he hits restricted free agency. And behind Coloco is Boucher, and we already talked about him. 
Moving on to the next section of this logistical breakdown, it, we're going to look at the salary cap table for this Raptors roster, and this is saying that all their players accept their team options, and they let all free agents go. So there's de- the, this salary number is definitely going to fluctuate just a little bit. So Pascal Siakam is slated to make $38 million next year. Fred Van Vliet, 23 if he accepts that option. OG Anobi, 19. Gary Trent Jr. if he accepts this option, 19. Chris Boucher, 12. Scotty Barnes, 8. Thaddeus Young, 8, but that is partially guaranteed. He's guaranteed $1 million, and that will be fully guaranteed on June 30th of this year. So in a, right about a month. Otto Porter is expected to make $6 million. Precious Achua, 4. Malachi Flynn, 4. Joe Wieskamp, 2, but that's non-guaranteed. It'll also be guaranteed on June 30th. And lastly, Christian Coloco, $2 million for a grand total of $145 million. Like I said, that's if those guys accept their player options and if they don't bring back any free agents. And with this 145 figure, this would leave them with about minus $11 million in projected cap room if, this, if the salary cap is at the projected value of $134 million. With the luxury tax being projected at $162 million, this would leave the Raptors with $17 million in projected luxury tax room. Moving on to the first-round picks that the Raptors have, it's not many. It's not very good. This year, they have their own pick. It is 13th overall. Next year, their pick is top six protected. So they may have it. They may not. If it's not conveyed, it'll be top six protected again in 2025 and again in 2026. I think that this is the Yaka Pirtle trade, I want to say, from this year. I think that's how they, the, the, the Toronto lost this pick. But they'll they will they will not have this pick one of the next three years, unless they're top six every single year. Then they'll have it all those years, and then lastly, they or then after that in 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, as well as 2029, uh, the Raptors have their own picks. So for those last five years, all their picks belong to themselves. But they do not have anyone else's first round picks from the research I did. So the Raptors' first-round pick equity, it's its not great, it's not bad, but it's not great. And that is the logistical outlook for this Raptors roster. We're going to now transition into more of a player personnel outlook, which for this Raptors team is definitely more important. This team has a lot of... This team could be... could, could look very, very different on opening day of next season. I'm, I'm very, very intrigued to see what happens, and we'll know by the end of the month what what what's, what might happen to this team, which is really exciting, because I am excited to see if they try to keep it together or not. So we'll go ahead and start. Um, the Raptors, they had a down year this season, especially considering that they were a five seed last year. They were 41-41, and 41, so 500, fin- finishing ninth in the Eastern Conference, and they lose first round of the play-in to the Chicago Bulls. Shout-out to DeArdo DeRozan for winning that game for Chicago. You know, maybe if DeArdo Rosen goes to Miami, Miami's not in the finals right now. <laughs> Who knows? But that 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 would be that would be some crazy, some crazy, uh, you know, some crazy conspiracies if that had actually happened. Um, but this this Toronto team, like I said, it, this is a team that could look very different at the start of next season, depending on how their free agency decisions go, depending on how the draft goes, depending on if they make any trades. There's a lot of things that can happen with this roster, and I'll I'll start with the draft. And I think that a draft could affect free agency, or it could even be a quote-unquote result of free agent decisions, even though free agency happens afterwards. Teams can usually get a gauge on what their players might be thinking before free agency, and if they can, they can sort of base the draft off of that, which may not be a bad decision. 
But my, my best guess for this draft is that they target a guard, which is actually really good, because where they're drafting, there'll be a ton of guards available. There's there's a there's going to be an overflow of guards in this sort of, you know, mid-teens range. So they should be good getting a guard here. And the guards that they could potentially target are Kaysen Wallace, Keontae George, Nick Smith Jr., or Jordan Hawkins, whoever's on the board. Personally, I think that the best guys would be either Wallace or George, because in my mock draft, chances are both of them will still be here at 13, and it'll just depend on what Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. do with their team options. And the good thing is, with Wallace and George, and even Nick Smith, all of those guys can run multiple guard positions if necessary, which makes them suitable replacements for either one of those guys I just mentioned, which is which is really solid. And then Jordan Hawkins, I don't think he'd be there. Uh, either he or George will be there. I highly doubt both he and Keontae George are available for the Raptors here. But I think that if Hawkins is there, he'd be a really solid backup shooting guard, even starting shooting guard. If 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 the pieces fall, you know, if the if stuff happens, he'd be a really good shooting guard replacement. So we'll see what they do with that. And then the other option is Toronto trade for that third overall pick and Anthony Simons with uh, Siakam to take Scoot. And that, that, would, that would be really interesting. I would be really intrigued to see that. But I think the only reason they would do that is if they're going full in on the rebuild. I don't think they would do that trying to keep the roster in place. So I think that some some internal discussion would have to happen before something like that goes down. Now, I'll get, to, I'll get to that more later. Don't worry about it. I will talk about this trade and talk about Siakam. Do not worry about that. Speaking of uh, free agency, like I said, free agency... It, depending on that trade, if they trade the, if they trade Siakam for Scoot, that could affect free agency. Speaking of free agency, Toronto's going to have some decisions to make, both by themselves and by the players on their roster. And even by the players on the roster, Toronto still has decisions to make, even if they decline those options. I'll start with the out, with the outgoing free agents, which are Delano Banton, Will Barton, and Jakob Pertl. Banton, he is a restricted free agent, so it shouldn't be too difficult to bring him back next season. This year really wasn't a, a great year for Banton. I think after his rookie season, you may have been a little bit happier with how he played. This year, not so much. He dealt with a lot of injuries that, that kept him out the majority of the season. He only played 31 games, but like, like I said, the, actually he was better than last year now that I'm looking at the stats. He averaged 4.6 points. Rebounds, assist numbers aren't really there though. 42% from the field, 29% from three. Not great efficiency, but he's a second round pick. He's a little bit older. I'm, 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 not, I'm not super high on Delano Banton. He's a taller guard, which is nice. He has positional versatility, which is something that's super valuable, but... He's he's not he's not you know a, a completely necessary piece so I would not be surprised if they moved on from him but I would advise ex- I would advise bringing him back there's really no reason not to because he's a restricted free agent and I don't think that other teams are going to be going you know other teams are going to be prioritizing Delano Banton so I, I think that Toronto will be a- able to bring him back on a very team friendly deal so that's my expectation for that. And then Will Barton, and honestly, th- this may surprise some of you, but I, th- I think that Toronto should re-sign Will Barton, honestly. And I, the, the reason why is because I think he's a valuable veteran piece who doesn't really play out of himself. He doesn't really play outside of himself. I think he'll help mentor some of the younger players if they do, you know, sort of go this younger route. But I, like I said, I would not be surprised if Toronto allows him to walk. Since coming over from from Washington... 
uh, in free agency. Barton averaged 4.5 points, 1.6 rebounds, and he shot the ball fairly fairly well from the field. Not Actually, no, I, I lied. Not well from the field. Pretty okay from... No, what am I saying? These efficiency numbers are not very good. 35% from the field and 33 from three. That's not that bad. But 35 from the field is pretty garbage. But he only played 16 games, so that's not a full sample size. So you can't really, you know, make a decision based off of his solely Toronto stats. But I, I would advise bringing him back. Worst case, he doesn't play and he helps mentor. That That's sort of how I see it. So I would advise bringing him back, having him uh, having him in the locker room will be nice to to have, at least in my opinion. And then lastly, there's Jakob Pertl, and it, it seems likely that Toronto will bring him back, or at least, you know, put forth an effort to bring him back. And that's obviously because, I've, I've said this before on this podcast, it's because when you make a trade and that player is about to become a free agent, I said this about Dallas and Kyrie, you, you sort of want to make sure you get all that value out. And if you if you let them walk in free agency, you 100% feel like you lost value. So they're going to try to do everything they can to keep Jakob Pertl around because they want to try to get the value out of that trade. Also, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Toronto doesn't really want Precious Achua starting at center or even Pascal Siakam. I don't think they really want either one starting long-term. I don't, I don't think that's what you really want. Precious started 12 out of his 55 games this year, and Siakam, it's going to be weird. Because I, don't, I don't know how many started at center. As for Coloco, he started 19 out of his 58, and then obviously once there's... Once, once Pirtle came over, he basically started all of his games, 25 out of 26. So I don't I don't think that they really want Siakam, Achua, or Coloco starting at center. I, I, I think they would honestly be, be more comfortable with Coloco starting at center. But I think that right now you'd rather have Jakob Pirtle to get that value out of him. And plus he's, a, he's definitely better than Christian Coloco, at least at this point in his career. I really, really do like Christian Coloco. He showed a lot in his rookie season, especially on the defensive end of the court, as he averaged, how many blocks did he average? He averaged an entire block in about 14 minutes. That's that's pretty darn impressive from a rookie. So I think that you'd like to see, you that, that is a good sign out of Coloco, but I think the Jakobertl is the piece that they're going to try to, you know, keep around and, and start at center for at least, you know, a little bit. And then, and then comes the issues of the player options, and this is where this, this the free agency starts to get a little bit spicy for this this Raptors team because the player options are are partially out of Toronto's control, and luckily these will have to be accepted or declined before normal free agency starts. And those guys who have those options this offseason are pretty important. It's Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. And personally, I expect Fred VanVleet to decline his option to explore free agency, and that would—I I think he would keep a return to Toronto as an option. But if if you're Toronto, do you really want Fred VanVleet back? I think that's a question you have to ask yourself if he declines this option. Do you really, really, really want to put him back? I mean, or bring him back? He was an All-Star in 2022, but his like his efficiency numbers are not good. This year, he averaged 19.3 points, 7.2 assists. That's really nice. And he, but he shot the ball 39% from the field, 34% from three, shot 16 shots a game. Not not great efficiency when you're that important of a piece to a team. And I was looking at it, I've heard this on a different podcast too, um, his efficiency numbers are honestly fairly similar to Dylan Brooks, which uh, that's not really the comparison you want to have. As a Grizzlies fan, I know that's not the comparison you want to have, at least you know efficiency numbers-wise, but obviously Van Vliet has a better output than, than Dylan Brooks, but I think honestly, 
Toronto should let him walk if he declines that option, especially if Case and Wallace, if you, especially if you draft Case and Wallace, or if the team works to rebuild and gets a young point guard, even like a Scoot Henderson. You know that things things could work out in different different directions. And even for Fred VanVleet, right? He he's gonna have a sizable free agent market. I was looking at the the point guard options next offseason. There's like none next offseason, so I think it'd be really interesting if he decided not 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 to, or to accept his option, play one more year in Toronto, and then explore his his options because there's like no point guards in free agency next year. There's not too many this year. It's like I mean, obviously there's the Kyrie Irving, James Harden's right, but after that it's like Fred VanVleet, D'Angelo Russell. Who do you want out of those two? Probably Van Vliet at this point in their careers, especially with how D'Lo ended the season in the playoffs in, in, in Los Angeles. You do not really want that. But I, I Even though Van Vliet might have a bigger market next year, he's going to have a sizable market this offseason. And next year he might be older. You know, circumstances can change, right? There could be a significant injury or point guard may not be a position of need for many teams depending on how different things, you know, turn out. You never know. I think he'll have a sizable free agency market. So I, I think it'll be a decent. I think it'll be a pretty good decision on his part to at least test free agency, keeping the option to return to Toronto, you know, available if Toronto is willing to bring him back, or go play somewhere else where they want you to be there. So I, I think that that will be a good decision for for Fred VanVleet. And I think, like I said, I think Toronto, you should just let him walk at this point. Because if you keep Van Vliet, this roster becomes kind of stuck. It, you, you, it's it's going to be tough to progress with the roster if you hang on to Van Vliet. Maybe you work to do a sign-and-trade. Um, I'm a huge fan of sign-and-trades for teams because you will at least get some value out of guys who depart. But that's not always going to be the case. That's really only the case if teams are you know, unable to create cap room, which may be the case for a team trying to sign Van Fleet. If it's like a team like the Lakers, a double sign-in trade would be really, that'd be really, really weird and interesting, but I'm, it, it could happen. It could happen. Moving on to the other uh, guy with the player option, Gary Trent Jr., and it seems pretty certain that he's going to opt out of this contract. The research I was doing basically almost said, almost like was completely stating that Gary Trent Jr. will not be accepting his option, nor will he be back in Toronto. It seems like he, he seems like he won't return, which, I mean, that kind of makes sense for him, right? This season, he averaged 17.4 points. He doesn't really do much outside of that. He, he does get 1.6 steals, so he's pretty solid defensively, but he doesn't really do, like, he gets 2.6 rebounds and 1.6 assists. He's really just a 3 and D that that's that that seems to be about it. He shoots forty three percent from the field, about thirty seven percent from three. That's what you get out of Gary Tripp, and he's coming off the bench. And especially considering that he was starting for most of definitely last year and a good chunk of this year, forty four games, probably until Pirtle came over, and you could just sort of shift everybody to to the left and position wise. You know, you move Ananobi to the to the two, Barnes to the three, Siakam to the four. Slide, uh, slide Jakob Purtle in there at the five. I mean, that makes sense. He's probably upset with that. If I'm, if I'm guessing, I don't know. Uh, there, there could be more reasons why. I'm sure there are. If Gary Trent wants to leave, and if Toronto loses both of those guys, if they lose both Trent and Van Vliet, then I, then, the, then they need to consider the re- the direction of this team because the, the the guys that they will be left with, the important players they will be left with are OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and maybe Jakob Purtle if he comes back. And and both of those guys do walk if uh, Gary Trent and Fred VanVleet both walk. I would look to trade OG Ananobi. And Ananobi, he's been in trade rumors for a while now. 
Obviously, at the deadline, he was a very, uh, very desirable piece for many contending teams, and I think he's going to have similar value from in the offseason from some of those teams. In need of a 3 and D wing, teams I'm thinking of, as as a Grizzlies fan, I really, really would love to have OG Ananobi. So obviously the Grizzlies are up there. Sacramento, I think, could really make use of OG Ananobi. Indiana's been thrown in rumors. I'm not sure what they would do with him, but they've been thrown in rumors before. So I think that Toronto can get a lot of value out of him by trading him now. The only thing with with Ananobi is that his, his value is going to, after this offseason, his value is just going to decrease. It's just going to tank, be not completely tank it because he's a he's a the, the the type of piece he is is very desirable in the NBA right now. But his value is going to decrease because he can be a free agent next year if he chooses to be one. So if you're going to trade him, I think now is the time to trade him because, like I said, he has a team. He has a player option next year. He could just walk. I mean, imagine Toronto. I I think the Grizzlies offered him like three, probably three first round picks, and they said no. And well, if he just walks in free agency, then you completely screw that opportunity up if you don't do anything in the extra two years you have on Anobi for. So I think that you trade him now to get value, at least some sort of value, before he just walks and you don't you don't have the option. I like honestly, even if even if Van Vliet and or Trent are back, I think you trade on an Anobi because his value is so dang high, and Trent can just start if you bring him back. But maybe if you do. Maybe if you do trade Ananobi with those guys coming back, you want to trade trade it for more trade him for more of a you know more of a retooling trade rather than a rebuilding trade. And what I mean by that is more of a player who can more of just a different approach player wise. And maybe you get a couple picks, maybe you get a couple younger players instead of you know just young players and picks. It might be just a little it might might be slightly different. And let's say let, let's just say in theory, right? They trade Ananobi, Van Vliet's gone, Trent's gone. If, if all those guys are gone, then Jakob Pertl may not even want to return. And if Pertl doesn't return, that means that your three of your starters, as well as your sixth man, are all gone. And if that happens, maybe a Siakam trade may be, you know, it should be looked into, I think. If, if it's not already done at that point. Honestly, if it's not already done. And Siakam, obviously, we, we all know what he can do. He's an incredible basketball player. 24.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists. 48% from the field, 32% from three is not great, but it's not bad for power. It, it's, yeah, it's not good for a power four, not good for any position. Um, it, percentages, I feel like, would go down as you go further down the position chart. Maybe point guards and shooting guards about equal. Then after that, I feel like it would sort of start sloping downward a little bit, but I don't have any evidence to back that up. But 32% is still not not ideal, no matter no matter how you frame it, it's not ideal. So I, I think that he with with those numbers, with the twenty four point two, seven point eight, and five point eight, he's going to be a you know, a piece that teams are going to look at and say, Hey, we want him. He's a piece who can come in and help us win. And obviously the team that's been linked to him a lot is Portland. And I think that's a win win trade, if I'm being honest with you. I think that's a complete win win trade. I'm a huge fan of it. Portland gets Pascal Siakam you get that piece alongside Damian Lillard. You trade you trade Anthony Simons, but I'm okay with trading Anthony Simons. I, I said that in the rebuild. I think you need to trade Anthony Simons. I do not like him next to Dame. I do not like him next to Dame. That's just me being completely honest. I do not like that fit at all. And that allows you to decide, 
that would allow them to slide Shaden Sharp in there, Pascal Siakam. That would really help Portland. As for Toronto, you get a, a dual threat guard in Anthony Simons. You get either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, whoever the Hornets don't take. And then you have other guys. You might get Jeremy, or Jeremy Grant's a blazer. Oh my gosh. You, you would have other pieces too, other young guys potentially. You could maybe hang on to that 13th overall pick. You still have Scotty Barnes. I think that's a really, really win-win. Uh, that's a that's a win-win trade in my opinion. Maybe maybe Toronto fans might see it differently. Maybe Portland fans might see it differently. Who knows? But I uh, from from a neutral standpoint, I like that trade. That, that that may just be me wanting to see some shaking up, seeing Damian Lillard get another really good piece next to him. But I really, really like I said, am a fan of that uh, of a trade like that if something like that does happen. And if, let's say that Portland trade isn't there, let's say they don't pull the trigger on it, then maybe the, the, another name I've seen is Jordan Poole from the Warriors. I, I don't like that trade for, for Toronto. I, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want Jordan Poole for Pascal Siakam. It would have to be a package of, like, Poole, Kaminga, Moody, and a couple of firsts. That's when it gets a little bit interesting if they offer all of those guys. Otherwise, no, I don't think that... Toronto should entertain a Jordan Poole trade straight up. I mean, or you could deal him elsewhere. I'm sure that other teams might just pop up on the radar, like the Cavs did last year with Donovan Mitchell. No one saw them coming. It's still crazy the Knicks were that close. I know. How, how close were the Knicks? Were they like, I think they were, they, they, if they had offered Emmanuel quickly, they would have done the deal. Or, or, or uh, Utah would have done the when they've done the deal, but they didn't, which is just crazy. That's just crazy. I would have done that trade, to be honest with you, but Nick, the Knicks might have something else going on over there. They made it. They made it pretty far this year, so I, th- I think they're happy. <laughs> I think I think they're happy. But obviously, Donovan Mitchell's a great basketball player, and maybe if you've got Donovan Mitchell, you don't get you don't get Jalen Brunson. Who who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But that's not that's not what this this uh, this talk is about today. But the only problem, like the the only problem with trading Siakam and or Anunoby, is that let's let, let's say right they trade one of them. Other teams are going to start to start to catch on that hey the Raptors are selling their pieces we can get them for the low I, I think I think the value is I, I think their value may decrease whichever one isn't traded at that point because like I said other teams are going to be like oh they want to trade these guys they're going to start to get desperate we're going to try to you know steal stuff from them basically but I personally I think that teams would really really want Siakam and Anunoby. I I I don't think the problem is going to be value decreasing because the team is selling. I don't think that's going to be a problem for Toronto because both of those guys or like Siakam is a player you put in and your team can go to to a, to a championship contender. The Blazers add Pascal Siakam. They're a team who's projected to finish top four in the West probably and in a stacked Western Conference too. That's saying a lot. And OG Ananobi, he's another piece. He can take teams like Memphis over the top potentially. Both of those guys can be that 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 piece that can push a team to title contention, depending on where they are in their you know in their team construction. So I think the teams are both our teams going to really really want those guys. But if let, let's say Siakam, let's and let's say that Siakam theoretically gets traded, okay? Chances are that whichever team trades for him should at least should at least want to sign him to an extension quickly because he's a free agent next offseason. And like I said, you do not want to lose that value. But, like, here, here's the thing, right? Those teams don't want to lose him in free agency, but neither does Toronto. So Toronto may be forced into dealing him if, if, if Siakam says, I don't want to come back. I'm not going to come back. Trade me. I don't, I don't know. Because you definitely want to get value out of the player while you can. 
But Siakam's value is just going to decrease because he's on a one-year deal. So unless a team can have some assurance that they can get him back, that they, that they can get Siakam back on, a, on, exten, on an extension, they may not want to pull the trigger. And if that happens, Siakam could just walk in free agency, which I think is the worst-case scenario for the Raptors. But by trading their good players, and like, but if they trade their best players, okay, and or even letting them walk, if their best players depart from the roster this season, they they can move forward with Scotty Barnes, the pieces received back in whatever trades they make, um, which would probably be a pretty solid team. And building around Scotty Barnes is going to be interesting. Barnes, you know, he was expected to take some sort of quote-unquote jump this season. Didn't really take that. He averaged the exact same amount of points that he did last season. So it's very, very lateral for Scotty Barnes. But he's still a young basketball player. He's 21. I think he'll be 22 fairly soon. So he's still a young basketball player. Third-year progression, maybe. If he still doesn't, if, if he's still putting up 15.3 for the third straight year, Maybe you start to think about some stuff with him, but I still think he's a piece that you can build with. Maybe not necessarily build around, but definitely build with. That's that's my take on Scotty Barnes. But this team, they still have good young players who can all play well next season. You have pressure to Chua, Chris Boucher, and Christian Coloco. So I, I think that these guys are all players you'd be happy with, you know, going forward. Even starting, I think that Christian Coloco could definitely run the center position long-term. Pressure to Chew is going to be a really solid backup or starting power forward. I really, really like those guys. So I think that if you do let some guys go, I think you'd be okay with the roster you'd have in place. You'd have players from your roster, players coming in. I think you'd be happy with that. that. That's most of the stuff I wanted to talk about for the Raptors. So in recap, draft a guard who could come in and play immediately, no matter what is done with the rest of the roster. It doesn't exactly matter to me. We'll see what they do, you know, this 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 offseason with that draft, but I would like I said I draft a guard. You either need backup guard depth or just assurance in case Van Vliet and or Trent walk. Uh, they need to evaluate the guys who are current free agents. You know who are definitely going to be free agents, aka Barton, Banton, and Pirtle, and whether or not you want to bring them back and whether or not they're willing to come back, and then see what Van Vliet and Trent are going to do with their player options and either work to bring them back or don't. If they don't want to come back, you never know. And then they also need to look into trades for OG Ananobi, definitely, definitely, and maybe Siakam if you want to go full reset. Trading Siakam would mean going full reset. Their value may not be as high with their contracts or rebounding Raptors roster. I think that the contracts would make the would make their values decrease more than the fact that Toronto would be selling. So I think that if you're going to trade them now, is the time to do it. And then the last thing is to continue developing this young core, with, with, with whether or not you have the, the Siakam, Ananobi, Trent, Van Vliet, whether or not you have those guys, you still need to develop guys like Scotty Barnes, Christian Coloco, Pershing Chua, Chris Boucher, continue to develop these guys. And if you can do that, I think you can allow Scotty Barnes and this team to take the next step forward, because I think if Scotty Barnes can take a step forward, this team is going to be in a really good position for a, for a long time. So that is it for this Raptors Rebuild. Tomorrow, or I said Raptors Rebuild, Raptors Offseason Guide. Tomorrow we will be at it with the New Orleans Pelicans, which should be another fun one. So make sure to join me tomorrow for that. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm out.